This show is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, the Justice League of board game podcasts. Find out more at Dicetower.com. another episode of the family gamers podcast this is episode 360 hey hello everybody oh man i again with this whole bi-weekly thing i feel like it's been forever since we've had a show but it actually hasn't been it's only been two weeks but um we're really really excited to be with you today hello everybody we are the family gamers as always i'm your host andrew and i am joined by my lovely and wonderful wife anitra that's me and this week we are going to bring to you all of the interviews from PAX Unplugged, which, as of right now, hasn't actually happened yet. Hi, future us. Hi, future us. <laughs> so we're going to bring all those to you second half of the show, but we figured we would open the show with kind of a normal open, because it's an even-numbered episode, which means that I have an even-numbered fact. Yes, tell us about the fact. All right. So it's episode 360. Uh, yes, 360 degrees, makes a circle, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's very exciting, right? But everybody knew that. What people didn't know was that there's a bird called the American Woodcock. I mean, I knew there was a bird called the American Woodcock. I'm pretty sure it's in Wingspan. You know, that's a, actually we should probably like take out our copy of Wingspan and, and find out. Oh, or maybe a, a show that. listener would do that for us and maybe send us a picture. That would be super helpful. But here's the fact. What is so cool about this bird? Anyway, the American Woodcock has the largest visual field of not only any bird, but of any terrestrial vertebrate. Wow. This is because its large eyes are set far back and high on its head, which means that it can see 360 degrees in the horizontal plane. So it can literally see all the way around itself. Yeah, basically, it's like the radar on one of those self-driving cars. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Uh, it can see 180 degrees in its vertical plane, which means that there's you know probably 90 degrees above it and 90 degrees below it that it can't see. That's my best guess. Probably more than 90 degrees below it and less than 90 degrees above it. Yeah, but probably. yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without ever having to move its head at all. Talk about having eyes in the back of your head. Oh, it says the only blind spot is directly above it. Cool. It is kind of weird. Like, it definitely, its eyes are farther back than they look like they should be. It's almost like AI gone wrong. Yeah, it, it is the kind of bird that looks slightly off. <laughs> <laughs> like the Putu bird? <laughs> Same No, the Putu bird looks very off. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's not very off is a message from our sponsor. How do you dig out of debt? Well, the honest answer is slowly and painfully. There is no quick magic solution, and anyone who says otherwise is selling something. There are companies out there who offer to lower your payments and help you settle your debts. But beware, what most of these companies do is have you start making your reduced monthly payment to them, but they don't turn around and pay your debts. Instead, they wait. After a few months of your bills going unpaid, you get a call from a collections agent. You're supposed to tell them to talk to your settlement company. The two companies then haggle over how much of your debt will be repaid, if any. And if you're working with a reputable company, they get the debt settled and written off, so collectors don't keep coming around. From that point, which sometimes takes a year or two, you will still have to deal with seven years of ruined credit, which makes this only slightly better than going through bankruptcy. Another better option if you can manage it, is to use a credit counselor. All the things the debt settlement company did are things you can do. 
So the credit counselor walks you through those steps, like calling your creditors to negotiate a payoff plan with lower payments. These credit counselors often cost around $50 a month, but the process they walk you through to pay off your debts builds your credit throughout the process so that when you come out the other side, you have a good credit score. First Move Financial is not a credit counseling company, but they'd be happy to spend a few minutes talking to you to help you find a reputable credit counselor. Go to firstmovefinancial.com familygamers and set up a quick chat to start taking steps to dig out of debt. All right. Thanks so much to the team at First Move Financial for sponsoring another episode of the Family Gamers podcast. You know what it's time for, Andrew? What is it time for, Anitra? Past us, we're technically recording in the month of November, but you and me both know we're not going to get more games played, so it's time for the monthly report. Yeah, tomorrow's going to be a driving day, <laughs> not a game playing <laughs> day. So, all right, we can do the monthly report. So, mine, as usual, kind of sad, 23 plays of 13 unique games. Okay, I have 34 plays of 16 unique games. All right, well, at least the unique games is not that far off. Lots of repeat plays yeah. for me. I have an H index of two, okay, which is kind of depressing. I have Perfect Match at four games played and Star Wars Unlock at three games played because there's three decks in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, since you have an H index of two, what do you have at two games played? I have a bunch of stuff. I have Maple at two. Maple is the unpublished prototype that I have now shared the name of that I'm working on. I have Tokaido Duo at two. I have Turbo Kids at two. I have The Hunt at two, and I have The Art Project at two. All right. So lots of them. I have an H index of three with five games that I've played at least three times. A lot of the same ones as you, Takedo Duo, Star Wars Unlocked, Perfect Match, but also six plays of Turbo Kids and four plays of Four Northwood, a solo trick-taking game. I'm glad you like that one. Me too. <laughs> it was a great <laughs> present. <laughs> Oh, what else can I talk about with this? I mean, almost certainly the vast majority of my games. Yep. Most of my games were at two players. It looks like about 60% of them. Almost half of mine. Yeah. 78% of my games are played at home. Most of my games are played on Mondays and Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. Same. Yep. Et cetera, et cetera. I think we look more similar this month than usual. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. It's been a really busy month. There's been a lot of crazy non-fun things going on this month a lot of talk about, personal so. stuff going yeah. on yeah all right well why don't we do this let's talk about some of these games that we've uh, mentioned here and are what we've been playing segment and then we'll break because i think we're going to have a whole bunch of interviews i mean i don't really I mean, know but i'm gonna that's guess. the hope <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so do you want to talk a little bit about for northwood sure i will i had no idea how a solo trick-taking game could even work it's really clever. I mean, I expected it would be clever, but I really like it. The way you set it up is you've got these eight kind of stations, each of which has a face card on it. And all of the face cards have a trump suit and a name and like a power. You also get four more face cards that are sort of your helpers throughout the whole game. Those eight positions, each one has a number on it between zero and seven. You just line them all up, zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Each round of the game, you deal yourself a hand of eight cards, and then you choose which of those stations you want to go after this time. A game lasts eight rounds, and you will go after each of those stations once. And the number indicates how many tricks you want to win in that round. If you win that many tricks you know, you score that card. And if you don't, you flip it over and it counts for nothing. So far, so good. But still, this is a solo trick-taking game. How do the tricks work? (laughs) 
they've structured it uh, with the conceit that it is a dialogue between you and whoever this person is. And so the idea is that you're always going to follow their conversation topic if you can. But if you can build on their topic, they like it and you win the trick. If you can change the topic to their favorite one, which means playing the Trump suit on the card they played, you also will win. So you flip a card off the deck. That's the first card for the hand. And then you pick one from your hand and play it. As usual, you're supposed to follow suit, etc. The rest of it feels a lot like a regular trick-taking game, except that you have all of these powers that you can use once per round to help you out and get you the cards you need or get cards out of your hand if you're going to win too many tricks. And that's pretty much it. My biggest complaint with it is I wish it was a little bit shorter, which feels like a weird thing to say. I appreciate the balance of the game, but... I always want it to take about 15 to 20 minutes and it takes more like 30 to 40, which is just a little bit longer than I generally have time for in a solo game. Other than that, it's great. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that does sound like kind of a long time to play a solo game, I guess. Like, I feel like 20 minutes is like the ideal number. I think if I was completely uninterrupted, I could probably play a game in 20 minutes, but I tend to put a lot of thought into it and I pause a lot and I'll stop and do things between rounds, you know, answer kids questions and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think I could do it in 20 minutes, but that's not usually how it works out for me. Sure. I got it. That makes sense. I will take a turn. And I'm going to talk about Space Explorers Age of Ambition. So we have talked about Space Explorers in the past. We reviewed Space Explorers a while ago. This is... A couple of years ago now. The, I don't know, they call it Splendor Killer, I guess, from 25th Century Games. It is a space exploration themed game. Historical space exploration. Historical, right. So it's 1970s space age kind of stuff. It's not like far future. It's not science fiction. Science fiction, right. You know, the base game, I think we really enjoyed it but we found it to be a little bit more complex than we expected to reach up and get it off the shelf to play yeah every card essentially shows up in this kind of rule reference because there's so much symbology in the game (laughs) uh which is fine i mean the the reference is perfectly adequate it does all the things that you need it to do so i really think that we had some pause when age of ambition showed up because we were like well you're gonna make this more complicated (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it does. And it does. So <laughs> Age of Ambition has, I think, seven different modules in the box. And the way it's designed, it says you shouldn't really use more than like three of them at a given time. Yeah. And it also says that they range from the most complex being modules like one and two to the least complex being like modules six and seven. And so when we played, we played with modules. Was it one, six and seven? Is that what we did? Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Module one was very interesting. It involved everybody basically taking a side. So there were, it's a four player game, right? So there's four different nations. And I think I was the US and you were Russia or something like that. Yes. There's also France and I think maybe China. Yeah. Something like that. But the interesting thing about it is that even if you're playing less than four players, you still use all four sets of country tokens. And you put these country tokens on the cards that you would normally draft and purchase from the center of the tableau, of the center of the table. And if you drafted something that was not your country, you basically had to pay an extra cost. If you drafted something that was your country, it went onto this little 
board that gave you some extra abilities. And if you got further along on that track, some additional scoring mechanisms near the end of the game. So it was a lot of the same thing with a little bit of complexity kind of tacked on. Yeah, I feel like it made the decisions a little bit more interesting, I guess. And ironically, actually sped up the game a little bit because in the base game, especially at two players, you can often just end up with, well, none of the stuff out here is really what I want to finish the final project. So maybe we can just shuffle through the cards a little bit more until we see something we want. And having the tokens out there meant there was always something that had at least a little bit of a draw. You know, maybe I can buy this cheap card that has a token on it. Maybe that token is a different country, so I'll have to pay a little extra, but that's also going to give me more points at the end of the game. And maybe it's going to deny you the thing that you want. So it just, I can't say it smoothed it out, but it made it so there were more interesting decisions more often. Yeah. And then, so module six and seven, one of them was like more complicated projects. So we subbed out some of the projects, which are, you know, like the Royals and Splendor. And the last module that we used were these briefcase tokens. And what you would do is when you had to give one of your tokens to like pay for a card to another player, you would include a briefcase to double that token. Yeah. Basically. So it was kind of like a wild, but not like a totally freeform wild. But those were much less complicated expansions mechanically, right? Because the projects, when you just sub in some different projects... And they definitely had more interesting scoring mechanisms, but you sub them in and you're done. And then the briefcases were just kind of this thing as you're passing the tokens back and forth. Yeah. That first module was definitely more complicated. Those special projects had variable scoring, though, which is part of what made them more interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely module one so far is the big draw. I'm interested now to try some of the in-between difficulty ones. Yeah. There's one with like leaders. So important country leaders, important people or something like that. There's... Another one with a crisis token. So there's certainly some interesting things. Obviously, we have to play this a bunch more, try out some of these combinations together. Certainly adds a ton of flexibility to the game, right? There's an additional booklet in the expansion for solo mode related stuff, I guess, for all of the modules. Yeah. There's just a ton of content in this. If you like Space Explorers as a game, I mean, you're probably going to like this expansion. I don't feel like it's changing things in such a dramatic way that it feels like a different game. Yeah, this is one of those expansions that definitely seems to be the, if you like this game, here is more of this game. Right, exactly, exactly. So that is Space Explorers Age of Ambition. And you'll be hearing more about that. Oh, for sure. We're going to have to play it a bunch more. Oh, yeah. Speaking of other things that you are going to hear more about, Our Snap Review this past week was for Turbo Kids. You'll hear the audio of that in this podcast. I'm sure you want to talk a little bit about this game. We've mentioned it on the show before. Yeah. The very short version is, I'm going to say this is a highly recommended game, especially if you've got multiple kids. It teaches teamwork. It teaches communication. It does it in a really fun and a little bit silly way. It is one of the games that I have had the most luck getting random teenagers to play. As we get more and more teenagers stopping by our house. Other games, they're like, okay, maybe Mrs. Smith, sure. But once they've tried this one, they're like, yes, let's play that race game again. <laughs> yeah, it's dumb fun. I mean, it, it is, right? I don't know. I think you're going to hear some interesting stuff. We got a little deep in the, uh, in the snap review yeah. for this one. So definitely pay attention during the break and check out the video at thefamilygamers.com. 
Last game on our list, at least for now, is a game from the op called The Art Project. I played this one with Claire because I was trying to do something with Claire. She's probably like the least interested in board games in our house out of, you know, the five of us. And I really just wanted to do something with her because she was kind of being a 15 year old. Um, (laughs) So I got her to sit down and play the art project with me. This is a cooperative game where you are. I don't know. You're some kind of like special forces that is reclaiming art from art heist or something like that you're not really tracking down thieves you're more just trying to recover the stolen artwork well you're i mean you have to defeat the white hand yeah right so i don't know the the premise of this game so this is similar to age of ambition in the sense that there's like six different maps and all of the maps are very slightly different they have slightly different rule modifications but weirdly it's the japan map that is the base game and in this game you have four resources at your disposal. You have your health, you have fuel, you have guns, and you have walkie-talkies. Three of those are shared. Your health is not shared. But you can also use your health as wild for any of the other things that you have to do. So in this game, everybody is forced to play a card from the deck. Everybody gets two cards. They can basically pick which one they want to play. Most of these cards will cost something and give you something and cause you to put these like white hand enemy tokens on the board. Some of the cards that might they might not have a cost, they might not put, you know, enemy tokens out, whatever. So everybody's got these two cards. You all kind of discuss which ones are going to work together. You can't show them to each other, but you can talk about everything that's on them, which is a weird restriction. But your goal is to play these cards out so that the symbols on the cards line up. And when you get three of a symbol, you can then put a piece of art in the city that is represented by those symbols. Then you have to go to those cities, defeat all of the white hand people that are in the city, take that piece of art and put it on the art track. As you continue to do this over the course of the game, it gets harder and harder to defeat the white hand people etc etc right so Mm -hmm. that's i mean that's kind of the gist of the game without getting too in the weeds yeah this game was not quite what i expected but i do like it it's definitely got that balance where you're on the edge of your seat pretty much the whole time and like can we do this the difficulty ramps up as the game goes on but also the number of tools you have at your disposal goes goes up as the game goes on and that combination works really well together so it's always interesting and exciting as you work through it yeah it's a really cool game i definitely want to play more maps we've played well i've played twice on the japan map it's good it's a fun game it's a lot simpler than i expected it to be i guess yeah that's part of what surprised me is is it was much simpler and easier to get into than i thought it would be part of that was your teaching i think oh good job (laughs) all right well let's cut it a little bit short i mean we've been playing a ton of stuff and certainly we could talk about a lot more but we're gonna have a lot of interviews and i don't want the show to be too 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 terribly long (laughs) yeah so hang on for a little bit then you're gonna hear us talk all about turbo kids and then when we come back on the other side you're gonna hear all about our pax unplugged interviews we'll be right back Do you remember when our kids were younger and we used to put them in our lap and let them hold our hands and pretend that they were driving? Uh, not really. I think maybe that was more of a you thing. You know, like... Okay, yeah. 
The kids used to love it. It was great. <laughs> well, now bigger kids and even adults can do a little bit of driving their teammates around in Turbo Kids. This is a snap review for Turbo Kids, a team racing game by Emmanuel Gauvin from Scorpion Mask. The box says it's for two to six players, eight to seven and up. So let's talk about the art in Turbo Kids. First of all, it's another new game based on the Zombie Kids universe. So we see a lot of familiar characters on this box. There's a ton of these wipe clean dry erase boards for the racetracks. There are car cards that grant special powers and blindfolds. Wait, what kind of game is this? Well, let's talk about the mechanics. To play Turbo Kids with four or more people, you split into two teams. The team with the youngest player chooses which racetrack to start with, and each team takes a copy of that track. One person on each team is the pilot. They'll be using a marker to draw the path of your car through the racetrack. But they're going to do it blind. The rest of the team will help guide them through talking and through using the pilot's non-dominant thumb like a joystick. If the pilot's drawing crosses out of the bounds of the racetrack, your team has had an accident. One of the co-pilots needs to take the pilot's hand and move it back to the last checkpoint and restart. Whichever team crosses the finish line of their track first wins the stage. Whichever team wins two stages first wins the game. Once you've tried the first few stages, try advanced features on later racetracks like jumps, turbo boost, and oil spills. Don't forget about the car gadgets, too. Some give you an advantage your team can use, and others let you set up obstacles that the other team will need to avoid. And if you don't have at least four players, there's a cooperative mode with all kinds of timed challenges to try. So what did we expect from Turbo Kids? I don't know. After <laughs> reading the rules, I expected it to be funny, if frustrating, depending on who you were paired with. I was excited for another game in the Zombie Kids universe. They're always a little silly, but they build skills too. This one seemed like it was going to be a little sillier than most. And since it's a team-based game, I assumed it would always be head-to-head -head competition. But of course, there were some surprises. And for me, the first one was there were tons of boards in the box. There's 16 boards. There's only two copies of each, so you'll only ever have two teams playing this game. One thing that surprised me was just how well our boys worked together. We played this game with lots of shuffled teams and team members, and when I teamed up with our 9-year-old, it was a disaster. It was bad. But when our 12-year-old paired up with our 9-year-old, they actually beat us. They did a great job. And one of the things this showed me was how to effectively communicate with different kinds of people. We've all heard that people take in information differently, whether it's by listening or by doing or by seeing, and that's how they learn. But this game really showed me that the way that I tried to give information to my nine-year-old was the wrong way to do it. Here, we figured this out through play. And honestly, I've learned some valuable things about how to communicate effectively with our nine-year-old taught to me by our 12-year-old. I don't, I don't want to get into like a deep thing, but this is a really good lesson for me and something that I hope that I'll actually be able to carry forward into other games and honestly, into life. That got really deep. Yeah, sorry. Uh, parenting <laughs> advice in your Snap Reviews. Uh, but back to talking about Turbo Kids. I expected this game would be fun, but I didn't expect just how much we would end up laughing every time we play. This game is a lot harder than it looks. The cooperative mode was great too. It's the same play style, but now you're a single team trying to finish a timed challenge, like two courses of your choice in under four minutes, or a race with no accidents in under one minute. 
These cooperative challenges felt a lot like the challenges in Zombie Kids Evolution that our kids love. Even more so than the head-to-head -head races, the cooperative challenges encouraged us to look back after each race and determine what we could do better in the future. So let's talk about our recommendations. Turbo Kids was pretty much always good for a laugh. And the simple instructions or ideas translate really well to any age, so grandma or grandpa can play with the grandkids without too much trouble. The gadgets do add some complexity, so you might choose to keep it simple if you're branching out from your normal playgroup. If you have multiple kids who love checking off boxes and don't mind working together, I'd highly recommend this game for the cooperative mode alone. There's really nothing in this game that we haven't seen before, but it's funny, it's silly, and it's inexpensive. You can get it this holiday for under $25 online. We're going to give Turbo Kids four go-karts out of five. And that's Turbo Kids in, in a, a snap. snap. Hi, I'm here with Clay from Capstone Games. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good. What are you most excited about for at PAX Unplugged this year? We've got the remaining stock of our Wandering Towers here, and we need to have more demo tables of it because it keep, people keep crowding around it. So um, we're really excited to showcase that. We're getting another printing coming in, so the second printing should be available in January. So how does the game play? So what you're doing is you've got a handful of wizards that are going around this uh, circular board, and you're trying to get to Raven's Keep, which is like a, a big tower where, you, where your wizards are going to go into. But the problem is all the other towers on the game board can move as well. So you'll be covered up by other players can cover you up. you got to remember where you're at as these towers are moving around. But very family friendly. Uh, my six-year-old loves it. And uh, just just a good time. Very cool. Then how about um, I see you have the Savannah Park over there. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Yeah, Savannah Park is also by the same designers of Wandering Towers. But you're, uh, you're building this like... Uh, safari savannah land where you're grouping different animal types together but there's also brush fires that you want to make sure that you don't group your animals too close to them because then they'll they won't be able to survive but you're, you're, the bigger the herds you can get the more points you'll get so it's a nice little uh, tile placement game for everybody okay awesome and then i, I i'd be remiss if i didn't ask about beer and bread just oh, from the title itself so good yeah that's a nice two-player card game if you like uh multi-use cards uh this one's very fast you get five cards each card can do one of three things. Um, my favorite is like a, it's an upgrade that's like a special ability you get for the rest of the game. So you get that push and pull of like, oh, I want to do this and this on the card, but you can only do one thing. So okay. nice little, uh, you're, you're making beer and, and making bread and, and you get points for both of those, but at the end of the game, you score the lowest of the two. So you gotta do a little bit of balancing act. Okay, awesome. And then I would also be remiss not mentioning Arc Nova. You guys do publish some heavier games. I mean, Arc yes. Nova has been the buzz for like quite a while now. Yeah, it's been. It's, so you guys have it on Board Game Arena, which is a great place to check it out and kind of yeah. learn it. So, tell us about some of the heavier games for their our older parents that are uh, yeah. not gaming with their children, maybe with their friends. And yeah, definitely, spouses. definitely want to check out Arc Nova, the Marine Worlds expansion. It's only thirty bucks, and it's packed with a bunch of cards. Really nice, seamless integration with the base game. It's not like a whole bunch of new mechanics that are introduced. So it's real smooth. We also are releasing the Boone Lake expansion. That's an Alexander Pfister title. Oh, okay. um, it adds a lot of extra elements to it. Um, Boone Lake was pretty streamlined with um, the card play, and you're moving down this river and clearing out stuff on your player board. But this one adds a little bit more uh, player direct player interaction. So if you like that in your Euro games, 
definitely check out the Boone Lake expansion. Very cool. Is there anything coming up uh, in 2024 that we can be on the lookout for that you can maybe talk about? Yeah, absolutely. We just started a partnership with uh, Cranio Creations. They're famous for like Barrage um, and a couple other titles, but they just released Rats of Star at um, Essen. This is a nice, um, it's got an exploration element, tons of cards just like Arc Nova. And if you like Rondells, it's got a, it's got like a triple layer Rondell. It's, it's wild, but um, it's a pretty neat game that they've got coming out. Another one is uh, the Pirates of Maracaibo. Um, this is more of a, a faster version of Maracaibo. Completely different game, though, uh, but it has that same universe of Maracaibo. So if you like pirates, definitely look for Pirates of Maracaibo. Awesome. And then can you tell us a little bit about your company? Yeah, so we started in 2015 and with a game called Arkwright. It's a big, big-time heavy economic game, and um, we kind of laid our foundation in that arena, and as we've grown, we've looked at different games like Wandering Towers and Renature and Savannah Park just to have more versatile uh, offering for uh, for everybody. So I think we've got a really nice diverse catalog now for pretty much any type of gamer out there. Awesome. So. Okay, okay. You know, and I'm looking over here at your booth and uh, tell yeah. us a little bit about New York Zoo. I, sh- I should have asked about that earlier. New that's York a Zoo? great game. Oh man. So that's an Uwe Rosenberg game. Um, another great family friendly game. You're, you're building up a zoo. It's kind of like, I like to call it like if you've got a family and you, you're interested in Ark Nova, get New York Zoo because you can play that with your kids. They're like 10 years old. You're doing pretty much the same thing. You're building enclosures on a, on a board. You're filling up a zoo board with animals, and the, it's a race game. So whoever finishes their uh, player board first with their zoo tiles wins. Uh, but there, there's literally two things you can do on your turn in that game, so it's very accessible. So, and it's Uwe Rosenberg, so right, it's Uwe. game design is, is pretty clutch. Pretty smooth, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Awesome. And yeah. where can we find you online? We're at capstone-games.com, and you can see pretty much everything we've got there. All right, well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you very much. Hey everybody, this is Andrew, and I am here with Bree in the Arcane Wonders booth. Hi Bree, how are you? Hi Andrew, it's good to see you. Yeah, so we've known each other for a long time, but not through Arcane Wonders, so this is very exciting. It's like a new thing, but it's an old thing. Yep. First day of PAX Unplugged, we both still have our voices, so that's good. Barely. <laughs> already starting <laughs> to go already down. Got, I've already got a, a pocket full of cough drops, just in case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our feet are kind of hurting a little bit. We're just getting into it, but uh, we're going to talk about some games. So you've got a whole bunch of things going on in this booth some of it we've seen before some of it i have not seen before um so let's talk about i don't know three games okay. that uh you're very excited for with arcane wonders absolutely so first game i'd love to tell you about is age of wonders planet fall which is a board game based on a video game of the same name but you don't need to have played the video game to enjoy this game and in fact i haven't although i feel like i would enjoy the video game uh, but i absolutely love this game It's a very quick drafting game. You're going to explore seven planets. On each planet, you're going to draft two cards. You can play the whole game with up to six players in under 45 minutes. I love that. Like, under 45 minutes at at a higher player count. I mean, we're a family of five, right? So the odds of us getting people around a table for an hour and a half, it's it's probably not happening. Maybe three of us, the biggest board gamers in the family. But um, if we're going to include the oldest and the youngest, it's got to be something that's quick. And I particularly like that it plays up to six which is fairly unusual. Like a lot of games now are starting to push to five, but finding one that plays six and is that quick is really unusual. So it's one of my favorite things about it. That's awesome. What? Um, so 
what what is the theme? I mean, it sounds like it's something space themed, but talk a little bit about like what are you doing in the game? Like, what's the what's the MacGuffin of the game? Sure. Uh, so it is a space themed game. It's uh, it's it's based on a sci-fi video game. You are exploring seven planets, and on each planet, you're drafting cards that might be enemies that you're fighting, monuments that you're exploring, uh, energy pickups like natural resources that you're gaining, or technology that you're discovering. And technologies, for example, can give you abilities that will last the rest of the game. So it might be a discount on a certain type of card. Maybe unit cards cost you one less strength. You're better at fighting than everyone else, so now you get a discount. Um, You can also gain energy, you can gain experience, you'll get victory points. And towards the end of the game, the technologies actually become ways to gain specific kinds of victory points. So early in the game, those technologies are discounts and abilities and later in the game they are just for you energy is worth one victory point per remaining energy at the end of the game for example that sort of thing Uh, so you get lots of ways to kind of customize your own scoring and then you're scoring points during the game but then you've also got shared and personal end game victory points awesome i love it and i'm gonna say it again 45 minutes that's awesome yeah once everybody knows how to play it's just draft draft wipe the board do your income new planet same thing again for seven planets and so i mean you mentioned kind of a lot of different things like you buy stuff you you know you fight guys all these different things is it like icon heavy is it text heavy like how how does all that work out how how smooth is that to kind of understand so for the most part it's icon based Uh, each type of card has a colored symbol in the corner Uh, But then victory points, strength, energy are all represented with symbols. There are a few technology cards that have some text on them that might need some help if someone's a a newer reader. Mm -hmm. But other than that, most of the game is iconography, and it ties back directly to the icons on your player board. So you'll know if it shows this symbol, I'm paying from this track. So you don't necessarily have to know that it's strength. It's just the little flame symbol. Sure, that makes sense. And so you said, you mentioned... um, if someone is a, a newer reader, which implies that this game, even though on the box it might say 14 plus or whatever it says on it, it might actually flex a little bit younger. I definitely think it could. I think being able to read or having someone who can read those cards for you is the only thing that would affect what age you can play at. Otherwise, it's it's a very uh, fast-paced drafting and strategy game, and I think even younger players would definitely enjoy it. That is interesting. That is age of... Age of Wonders. Planetfall. Age of Wonders, Planetfall. I knew the Planetfall. I forgot what the word was in the middle. <laughs> when in doubt, Arcade Wonders. Right, right, right. Uh, that's fair. That's what I should have known better. <laughs> All right, but there's some other stuff in the booth too. Yes, absolutely. So we also have Gap, which is a, a very fast card game. You're going to get five colored uh, suits, each one numbered zero through nine, and you're just trying to collect cards of the same color so that your largest group and the smallest group have the biggest possible gap between them. That's the name, gap. Sure, that makes sense. If your largest group, let's say you have five yellow cards and two reds is your smallest group, then you're gonna score five minus two is three. You're gonna get cards from the middle based on their number. So you're gonna play a card and see if there's a matching card, a number. If there's not, then you're gonna look for adjacent cards. If I played a four, there are no fours. Now I'm gonna look for threes and fives. If there are none of them, then I'm going to put that card in the middle, and it's going to come out of my hand. But if any of those things match, you're going to take those cards into your tableau, and that's how you gain the cards that go into those groups. And then you just group them by color. Hmm, that's 
Interesting. This is definitely a game I want to see played for sure. I will take you over to the Gap Lounge in our booth. We have nice, nice comfy couches over there, and you can also see the commercial that we filmed that we're gonna that's running now on Amazon Prime and Freevee and Hulu. Oh, that's fun. And the game's available at Barnes & Noble. I love that. That's great. Getting it into that kind of distribution is so important. Yeah, absolutely critical. All right. Well, now you've tempted me with Comfy Couches and yes. the Gap Lounge, so we're going to head over there soon, but let's talk about one more game. Okay. I also wanted to tell you about Critters at War which is a reskin of the game Air, Land, and Sea that you might be familiar with. So Critters at War has absolutely adorable artwork, but the game functionality itself is exactly the same as Air, Land, and Sea. So if you're familiar with Air, Land, and Sea, uh, it's, there's three uh, theaters of war, and you've got, you're going to have six cards, each player. It's a two-player-only game. Uh, you're going to each get six cards, and there will be six cards that are not revealed in each game. And then you're going to play cards to the matching theater unless a card gives you an ability not to. And your goal is just to win two of the three theaters. So you want the cards with the highest value in two out of three theaters, and that's how you win. All right. I love it. Now, that, that's that been out for a little while, right? Yes. Yes, it absolutely has. It's not brand new. All right. Awesome. And um, I saw a box out there that looked a little bit different from the last time I saw that game. So there is also an expansion, which is in and of itself a standalone game. So you can also get Critters at War, Flies, Lies, and Supplies, which is the reskinned version of Air, Land, and Sea, Spies, Lies, and Supplies. So same thing, but you can play that on its own. It has three completely new theaters, 18 completely new cards. Or they can be combined. You usually would play with five theaters of the six that are available, and you can combine the games to make an even bigger, more chaotic experience. A more insane two-player game. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly, but the art on those is just so adorable, and that's one of the things that we think is a really uh, strong hook for it. All right, awesome. Well, you guys are just crushing it out there. There are so many games that we didn't even talk about, so congratulations to you guys for having a great show so far. I'm sure it's going to continue to be amazing, but um, yeah, let's go over to the Gap Lounge, shall we? Sounds good. All right, thanks so much, Bree. Thanks, Andrew. I'm here with Steve Finn from Dr. Finn's Game. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. So what are you most excited about here at day one of PAX Unplugged? Uh, I am excited about a couple different things. One is I'm, I'm showing um, two new games that just were published, kickstarted last year, Alpa Yaris and the Fisheries of Gloucester. I got them set up here on the table and people seem to be really enjoying them. Next to my booth is another booth uh, called, uh, the company's called Pipnetic. And I'm excited about that because I just started a company with my friend, Zach, who is a riddle book maker. And so we've created a party game company. And our first game is is like Pictionary with riddles. So um, how does that work? Here's how it works. Everybody at the start of the game gets riddle cards that has the answer on one side and a riddle on the other. But you don't see the riddles. You only see the answers. Everybody writes, uh, draws out the answers so for example if it was avocado you would draw a picture of an avocado and then um you you do your three different drawings put the uh drawings out on the common area so there'd be like you know 10 different drawings out there or nine or how based on how many people are playing then the riddle cards get mixed up and then you read the riddle and then everybody tries to find the picture that has the answer to the riddle Oh, okay. Yeah, and so it's uh, yeah, it's like Pictionary with riddles. And when is that coming out? 
That's going to be on Kickstarter in February. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and then I also have another prototype here, which uh, at some point I'll break out if anybody's interested in playing, called The Feds. Or that's going to be on Kickstarter in uh, December. Okay. So, uh, I guess uh, December play? 18th. For people who are familiar with my old game called Gunrunners, yep. I decided to remake that. But in remaking it, I ended up just, like, totally changing it into a different game. Of course, you had to tweak yeah, it. Yeah, right? no, I mean, it's not just tweaking it. Oh, okay. Dramatically different. Wow. It uh, has some, some now some fundamentally same mechanics, but it's so different that it's really a different game. Uh, but it's an area control card power game in which you're trying to, uh, you're a federal agent trying to arrest criminals. Oh, okay. And the, the unique thing about it is there are multiple city cards you use one city card per game and those dictate what the special powers of the agents are going to be for that game so every game is going to be very different oh, okay. uh, so lots of lots of good stuff and it's coming in december here in december, december 18th, yeah december 18th is when it's going to kick start and ending in january okay and what's the age range on that one uh well it's i i always say it's 14 plus okay but uh, probably it's a smart 10 year olds could play it oh okay yeah cool. yeah Yes. And then I noticed um, over the past year and a half or so, you've done like a, a, a plethora of like Kickstarter rolling rights. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, oh, you mean the print and plays? Yeah, the, I'm sorry, the print oh, yeah, and plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Bring your own pencil games. That's it. Yeah, yes. yeah. So it's BYOP. I'm quizzing you. As yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the the unique thing about this is you print them, print out the sheets, but you need no other components other than the sheets of paper and pencils. Okay. So it's not like a print and play. I mean, it is a print and play, but right. a lot of print and plays, you got to cut components or yeah. use dice from somewhere else. Okay. So they're designed to be simply pencils and paper games. Okay, no dice needed. No dice, nothing. Oh, okay. Just pencils and paper. Awesome. Where, uh, yeah. um, are those available for sale outside of Kickstarter? Can we get them uh, You can site? get them on my website, but also I'll, I'll say this now, uh, that I'm going to be making a book of them. Oh, awesome. And so they'll be on Amazon print on demand. Oh, really? Yeah, so you can just go, when that comes out, it'll be, that'll be good. I'll let you know when. Okay, yeah, I'll be yeah, excited yeah, yeah. to check that out. Right, awesome. so it's, um, yeah, there'll be five or six different games, and each game has, you know, three or four variants. Laminate the sheets and replay them, or you could just tear them out of the book and use them once. Oh, very cool. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I laminate everything. So. Right, there you go. So <laughs> it'll be perfect for you. All right, and then some, for some of our listeners that may not be familiar with some of your older games, I know I'm a big fan of Schools of Sorcery, Little Flower Shop. Can you tell us about some of your older titles that are your favorites? Um, some of my older, well, obviously everybody, a lot of people who know me know that I made Biblios. Yes, um, yes. So I think a lot of people like that game. You know, uh, one of my favorite games that I made a long time ago, I don't have here. It's just recently I sold the last copy. It was Cosmic Run Regeneration. Oh, okay, yep. Uh, it's, people have called it like Yahtzee in space. right. I think it's a much better game than Yahtzee, but <laughs> but it's like Yahtzee. It's a lot of dice rolling, and you know you're racing up tracks to get to planets first, and planets explode before you get there, you know, because they're being hit by meteors. Uh, you know, I like that game a lot. I also like the dice version of that game. It's called uh, Cosmic Run Rapid Fire. Okay, yep, I remember yeah. that one. So when I think back of that game, I, I like it. You know, but I you know I have a lot of games, so I could yes, I could yeah, talk a lot yeah, about. Yeah, they're them. all your babies. They're all my babies. <laughs> But that one in particular, I like a lot, and I hope I hope to have a, re, a reprint. All right, where can people find you online? DrFins.com. All right, thank you so much. Thank Appreciate you, Nick. I am here with Danny from Flat River Group. Uh, Flat River Group 
distributes games for like, I don't know, 40 different publishers. So we're not going to talk about all of them. But Danny, can you tell me about one or two of the great new family releases we can expect to see this year? Yeah, I think we just talked about 20 different games offline. But um, today I'd love to talk about Tanuki by Synapse Games and Gitbit coming from Greater Than Games. So Tanuki is a new take that family friendly card game. Um, its sole purpose in life is to be cute. <laughs> So you're going to head-to-head with other players, playing a card on your turn. Each card has an adorable little tanuki dressed up as various characters with very punny catchphrases. Um, And they each do something different, either stealing bamboo from someone or you gain bamboo or swap bamboo. It's it's very interactive, very cute. Um, A 20-minute card game, and that's coming out in March. Um, We also have Get Bit, which some of you may have played before. It released, I don't know, I think I was playing it seven years ago. Um, with cute plastic little swimmers. Um, the theme wasn't very cute though, because you're trying to escape the jaws of a giant shark tearing off those limbs. <laughs> um, but there's a new version, same game, new version coming out. Um, this one is bathtub themed. So you're trying to escape still from a shark, but an adorable bright pink squeaky little shark. And you are um, toy divers. So as your limbs get torn off, it may be the shark, it may just be like the toddler playing with you. Um, but it's a race. So on your turn, you play a number, a card with a number on it. Whoever swims the fastest moves to the front of the line. Whoever swims the slowest gets stuck in the back, and that's where the shark gets you. And you do actually remove a limb from your little diver mini. So it's the last person with at least some of their limbs that wins. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, there are so many more great games coming, and we can't wait to see them. But thank you very much for telling us about this. I can't wait to see Get Bit as a more family-friendly toy-themed version. Who knows? Maybe we'll have Life Size at Gen Con. <laughs> I'm here with Stephanie from First Fish Games. How are you doing today? I am good. How's day one of PAX treating you? It's good, yeah. Tired already, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what would you say you're most excited about the, the as far as games that you're here at the show showing off? Uh, so we are showing off Mistwin right now. Uh, it's currently in production phase because uh, we finished the Kickstarter back in August. Uh, so we're showing that off, letting people demo it, uh, and then have a pre-order link if people want to pre-order it. Can you so. tell us a little bit about the game, how it plays, mechanics, etc.? Yeah, so it's like a network building game uh, with flying whales, and you're um, moving around the board making deliveries as well. Um, and each player has discs numbered one through five. They're basically your workers that you're going to be using to take actions. So while you're doing the actions, uh, you're going to be building outposts and whales to build out your networks, and your whales are going to also be used for uh, making deliveries. Okay. How heavy of a game would you say it is? Uh, it's probably about between 3, 3.5. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's a little heavier than some of your older, your, yeah, your older it's titles. It's probably our biggest game yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and when will that be coming out? Uh, hopefully about May next year, yeah. Okay. And then I, I would be remiss if I didn't talk, have to ask you about Ducks and Toe. So, if, so our listeners that haven't heard about it, can you tell me, tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So Ducks and Toe is a game where you're walking around the park feeding ducks, and uh, I really like uh, the unique pieces in this game where it really looks like the ducks are following you when you feed them. So you slot them into this tray that follows your meeple. So it like visually it looks like they're following you around the board. And so uh, you're taking them to places where they want to go. So another pick up and deliver game. Uh, but you're basically trying to play cards in certain order to get your ducks in a row uh, to get points. Oh, okay. 
Okay, awesome. And it sounds like you have an expansion for it as well? We do. Uh, we have two expansions. Uh, one is kind of like a mini expansion that's just a uh, new set of cards. And then uh, the bigger expansion, which we also did a Kickstarter for last year, uh, we uh, have it available now. It's called Bucks and Slugs. Um, so that one adds some bug tokens and uh, player boards and duck cards. And the player boards and duck cards uh, add two new ways of scoring points, uh, as well as adding... Um, different abilities that you can unlock to use throughout the game. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right, then last but not least, how we learned about you, you as a publisher, is, is Town Builder. So tell us a little bit about that one. Uh, yeah, so Town Builder is a super sleek, small card game. Uh, we travel with it everywhere. Like, we play it at the airport, anywhere where you have a small table. It's a multi-use cards uh, tableau drafting. So there's five cards in the middle of the table. On your turn, very simple, you just take two cards. Uh, the cards can either be taken as a foundation or a resource, or once they're built, you turn them and they become full buildings with points or abilities. Each card in the deck is unique, so there's no duplicates. Um, so there's a lot of card combinations you can get throughout the game. Uh, throughout the game, you can try to get awards. Um, basically, first come, first serve. Like so If you meet the requirement, you get the points, and then at the end of the game, you count up all the points on your cards, as well as judges that are judging uh, how well you built your district uh, in your little town, um, and those will be scored based on a certain color of the judge. Right. Okay. And then I did kind of goof the title a little bit. It's Town Builder Kuferdin. Is that the right way yeah. to say it? I got it. Yes. Okay. You got I've been it. Okay. that way the whole time. So. Kuferdin. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. And then any sneak peeks or thing you can tell us about coming out in 2024? We could all look forward to. So far, it's just Mistwin. Uh, we don't have our next title lined up yet, but hopefully uh, we should have that sorted out in the next couple of months. Because um, once we're finished uh, setting up all the files for Miss Gwyn, then we want to focus on the next game. So. Very good. All right. Well, thank you so much. Where can folks find you online? Uh, firstfishgames.com or all our social handles are firstfishgames. So very easy to find. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Have a great con. Thank you. I'm here with Constantinos of Vesuvius Media, and he's going to tell us all about Catapult Feud, which I can't pull Elliot away from. <laughs> so we're looking pretty much at an Angry Birds type of game for in real life. Yes. The quick play rules that we play here at the convention are very simple. You build any design you want, any way you want it within the player board. You place your troopers on top of bricks and then you just take turns shooting rubber boulders to each other until somebody loses all their troops. Whoever does it first is the ultimate winner. I love that because you feel like your goal is to knock down the tower, but it's actually just to get rid of all of the troopers, even if the towers yes. are still standing. Yes, we do not care about the bricks. We want the humans down. So that's Catapult Feud, and you're selling it here this weekend for 30 bucks, along with there's all kinds of expansions and other fun stuff. But exactly. Hi, and we're with Tyler from Origami Whale. How are you doing today? Doing fabulous. Great to be at PAX. So what are you most excited about at PAX? Showing off our upcoming game, Dicey Devices. Really getting feedback on the art, the gameplay, all of it. Um, getting ready for that Kickstarter. Awesome. So can you tell us a little about it? Yeah, so Dicey Devices is a game where everyone's a mad scientist, but there's going to be one in this town. So it's up to you to use your laboratory, your robots, and your trusty assistant Igor to build and upgrade your doomsday weapon to incapacitate others before they incapacitate you. There's no player elimination in this game if you do get hit. You, uh, Igor comes to revive you, losing your Igor's ability. However, you can get back in that game. So how do you win the game? 
is to keep everyone incapacitated while you're up and running. Oh, okay, cool. And then what age range would you say this is uh, welcoming for? So we're going to say 14 plus on the box, but however, we have had as low as 10-year-old play the game. Oh, really? Okay, cool. So what would you say, um, what's the kind of niche or like what's the kind of mechanics that you know people can expect when they play? Yeah, we're looking at like engine building, area control, set collecting. Um, we have a little bit of everything, especially with our expansion that's going to be coming out with it. There's going to be um, worker placement, all that good stuff. Cool. And then you guys also, we've worked with you in the past. We've reviewed Danger. Can you tell us a little about um, fans that maybe haven't heard of Danger, what the game's all about, how it plays? Yeah, Danger's a really good gateway game, especially for people that are wanting to get into role-playing. So it's a game where we have four cards, Danger, Skill, Tool, and Plot Twist. At the beginning of the round, the victim's chosen, and they're put into a crazy, wacky situation, and they can build that scene however they want. Everyone else, they're a rescuer, and they choose one skill card and one tool card from their hand to devise a plan and tell a story of how they're going to rescue that person, and that person's going to choose who has the best rescue. And as I'm looking over your shoulder here, it looks like you have some expansions for Danger. Can you tell us a little about that? Absolutely. The one we're really excited about is Mythical Mayhem. It introduced dice mechanics, epilogue systems, to really get people a little bit deeper into that role-playing. So how does the dice work? So the dice works in the way that a uh, the victim can challenge you on an action in your story with their plot twist card, and you're going to roll, and that roll is going to have a target number to see how great or how great of a failure you had. Okay, and I will have to say, because I, when I'm reviewing it, I played it with some uh, some friends that are big D&D players, and it went over so well with them. Like, one of the guys was telling one of your booth mates here, he almost went on, like, a three- to five-minute, like, he had a whole backstory for the, for this set of cards. It was it was really intense, and he really got into it. Yeah, that's the stuff that we love. Even our epilogue system, we designed it in a way for a casual player to be able to get into it, and it's not a true legacy. However, when we play it, we like to give a little legacy aspect. We'll put down the game one day, and the next day when we pick it up, we bring everything that happened in the past to the present. Oh, I never thought that's an interesting way to play it. Yep. Awesome. So, um, and then I see here you guys are doing coffee now. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so Meeple Coffee is a company, it's a little side project that we're running where we refresh, support, and grow the community. So every product purchased gives a dollar to a board game charity that uses games for therapy or supplies games to people that need them. Uh, where can we find you online? So Origami Well Games is the name of the company. Yeah, so we have Facebook, uh, Instagram, all that good stuff. Hit the website, you'll see all the links there. All right, well thank you so much. Appreciate you. Unplugged with David Smith from Winsmith Games, who sadly is already losing his voice, but we'll see what we can do. Uh, David, can you tell me a little bit about 10 Gallon Tank? Yes, so 10 Gallon Tank was our first game, our first published game. It is for two to five players. It's a card drafting split and choose game. Uh, plays in about 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, very light, very good for families. Uh, I play with my kids sometimes. And there are different fish in the game that all give you points in different ways. So how you split up the group of fish really matters, and then which groups you uh, draft up in your hand matters. And at the end of the game, you're gonna you're gonna play a few rounds, split up fish into different schools, draft them in your hand, and score your hand of fish. Yeah, I really liked the little bit I saw of it. It looks very family friendly and maybe just slightly educational because the fish have abilities based on what you actually like collecting in a real ta tank. That's right. I actually grew up with tropical freshwater fish. So in the game, guppies, if you have an even number, they're worth more points at the end of the game. And that's because in real life, they like to stay in pairs. Uh, Garamis make you discard a card from your hand. They're violent. I had Garamis. They like to kill other fish. So, <laughs> And in the back of the book, of the rule booklet, it actually has a fun facts table about the different fish. Well, that's very cool. Uh, people should keep an eye out for 10-gallon tank from Winsmith Games.
Hi, I'm here with Ryan Lockett from Red Raven Games. How's your convention going so far? Oh, it's great. This is our first time here. Absolutely having a great time. So what are you most excited about? Uh, mostly the release of Sleeping God's Distant Skies, which is coming out early next year. And uh, I, it's really one of my most, uh, I'm most proud of that project. I absolutely love it. It was so fun to work on. Um, I love playing it. So. so can you tell us about some of the mechanics in the game and how it plays? So it is a sequel to Sleeping Gods, okay. and one of the things we changed in the game was the combat. Uh, now there's a deck building element, so you have your own uh, deck of weapons and attack cards, and you constantly find new weapons you can add it to the deck, and you can make changes as you play. Um, so it's really fun to like customize that, see what works together. Um, I really love that. There's also like boss battles now. Oh wow! So you'll like open the storybook and there'll be like an entire page. It's just like a huge monster you have to fight. You can run away now, which is something you couldn't do in Sleeping Gods, the original. Uh, so you kind of get stuck sometimes in Sleeping Gods, but now like you can you'll you'll like run into a giant monster and be like, oh my gosh, we have to run away. So you run away, and then come back later like when you're stronger. Oh, okay. So. Well, what's the age range on this one? Um, recommended 13 plus. Um, but if you're coaching younger kids, you can play with them, too. Okay. And then can you tell us about some of your more family-friendly weight? I know I see Megaland over there. That's one of my favorites. If the other one gets a lot of play. Yeah, Megaland's so fun. And Push Your Luck games, kind of in a video game setting. Yeah. My wife and I designed it, Mallory. Right. Um, so that was so fun to work on. I love, like, the, the surprise elements where, like, you'll, you'll be drawing cards. You're like, oh, my gosh, but I can go one further. I can get one extra thing. And then you'll draw that monster card and, like, lose everything. And <laughs> You know, so there's like some stand-up exciting moments and like... Awesome. Uh, Can you tell me about Nightfall? Nightfall is a team versus team battle game. And, you know, I don't see a lot of team games around, so I was really excited about this. I did not design it, but I did the art. I did half of the art, and Andrew Bosley did the other half, you know, of Everdell fame. So, um... You can play up to six players, so it could be like three knights versus three um, demons. And you're in like an ancient castle, and each character has their own powers. Um, so that one's a lot of fun. Cool. So this is a loaded question. What would you say is your top three of your fa your favorite designs that you've worked on over the years that Red Raven's published? That Red Raven's published? I always love the new thing, right? But but seriously, I think my favorite thing we've designed is, is Sleeping God's Distant Skies. And second would probably be... Maybe like Islebound, <laughs> and third is probably like like City of Iron. <laughs> okay, yeah, City of Iron. That's a little heavier than I had known going into. Yeah, it can be a lot like right at the beginning, but Above and Below is what got me hooked on your game. So, is there anything in the works for Above and Below in the future, or? Um, we're always working on new content, like throwing ideas around and stuff like that. Um, there will definitely be a new above and below something okay. in the next year or so. That's all I can say. Okay. But uh, any other spoilers of anything coming out um, we can look forward to in 2024? We have a new game coming out. It's a one of our smallest games we've ever made. It's called Isle of Night. It's like an island that only appears at night, and you're going to explore it. Wow. And it's a very simple game. It's just one deck of cards. You draw the cards and uh, choose what what to keep. But there's some really exciting moments in the game. It's like a 20-minute game. Okay, cool. so, yeah, I did the art for that, but I didn't design it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. All right, well, thank you so much. Um, where can we, where can our, our listeners find you online? Uh, RedRavenGames.com. We have a, a, an Instagram account, Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. All right, well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. 
everybody. It is the end of PAX Unplugged Day 1, and I am here in the Czech Games Edition. I guess not a booth. You have a whole room. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm here with Paya. How, how did your day go today, Paya? Oh, it was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of people in and out, and that's good. That's how we like it. So, yeah, it's been great. All right, and we have looked at, I guess, technically four games that we're going to talk about really quickly um, all coming from Heidelberg Games, and Czech Games Edition is actually going to be helping Heidelberg with distribution in the United States. That's true. All right, so the first one is Time Division. So this is like a like a dueling, I don't know, it's a, it's a really interesting dueling game where you can score cards or use the abilities on cards. Can you talk a little bit about it? Absolutely. So uh, Time Division is a dynamic, fast-paced dueling game for exactly two players. Uh, and yes, as you mentioned, uh, you have cards that you either use for scoring or you trigger their abilities. There are two phases to the game. First one is a draft phase where you have the ability to choose half of the cards for your opponent. But the opponent, of course, does the same for you. And then in the second phase, you have the play phase, and that's when you are playing the cards and you are either yes, triggering effects or scoring the cards. You have three eras. You have the ancient Egypt, you have the Dark Ages, and you have 1980s. You can either play each era separately or you can play them all together as a campaign. So each of the eras is like 20 minutes and altogether it's 60 minutes. So that's pretty much it. So we played kind of one game of, I guess, Ancient Egypt. Yes. And yeah, it took about, even with the teach, it took about 25 minutes. So it was a, a fairly straightforward teach. There's a lot of icons in this game. So there's a very helpful player aid to kind of walk through some of that stuff. And, you know, this is the kind of game where even if you chose to play through all three of the different eras, you could definitely play one and then come back another time and play the second one and then come back another time and play the third one. Exactly. That's pretty much how it works because with the first deck, you have pretty much the basic effect and then with the following decks there's always like something extra to it so yeah that's how it's recommended to, to try it out and then you can do it you can do whatever you like <laughs> <laughs> and i mean people know that i love art on basically everything the 1980s art is like chef's kiss so funny it's great yeah, um, I love the art so much. I must say, I mean, the pop star looking like, well, some <laughs> very f famous pop stars, probably. Taxi driver, professional athlete. Yeah, that's uh, a lot of lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun pictures here. And then when you do play the campaign, there's some extra cards that you would throw in as well. It's always like a duo uh, of cards that you introduce to the game. And if you manage to get the card to your influence area to score it uh, at the end of the game you get a victory point for the star that is on the card all right awesome so that is time division i'm excited to play this one a lot i think our 12 year old is going to love this one it's a nice fast-paced dueler kind of like you described it yeah i love to hear that all right and next i said three or four so <laughs> next we're going to talk about our one or two um, we have a game called Spicy, but there's also a game called Sweet and Spicy. So Spicy is a kind of a, a bluffing game. 
That's true. It is also very fast-paced bluffing card game where you have three suites of spices, pretty much. You have pepper cards, you have chili cards, and you have wasabi cards. And so you are, it's for two to five players. So for example, I say three pepper, then another player goes, has to say a higher number, so says five pepper, another says seven pepper, and so on and so forth. But at any point in the game, someone can call a certain person out that they're bluffing. Um, but they have to say if they're bluffing about the number or about the suite. Then you turn the card around, and if you were right, you are taking the stack, which are your victory points. If you and the person who is wrong d draws two cards, the goal is to get rid of the cards in your hand. And then, of course, the cards that you have in front of you as a stack are the victory points. Again, I love this art. It's um, it's like a foil mm -hmm. uh, kind of art with like old, I guess, Chinese uh, influenced art. Very cool, very cool. But there's also this other game, Sweet and Spicy. That's true. So it is more like a family-oriented version of Spicy because with Spicy, some children might have like might freeze a little bit when. Uh, bluffing so apparently like the sweet and spicy game should introduce some cards that make it a little bit easier to play for uh, smaller kids and also the artwork is more like family oriented it has all these cute little cats so yeah it's a little twist on the on the original spicy game it definitely is very cute <laughs> speaking of cute cats <laughs> the fourth game um, that we took a look at is a game called fish and cats and this one has some very adorable components. Yes, so this game in particular has these uh, little kitten or cat paws that like everyone uses to claim cards. So your goal is to basically touch a card that you want. And if you're the only one person touching the card, you keep the card. But if there are more people touching the card, it gets discarded. So th there are various like types of fish and you want to get at least three cards in the two types. So three of one type and three of another type. That's the goal. And, and you actually have knit finger socks in the <laughs> box that look like cat paws. That's true, and this is actually, yeah, that's, that's the funny part, and it's not only for kids, you you would be amused with how many adults actually love this, and yeah, uh, putting these on and doing funny things. <laughs> and if anybody's wondering what those look like, just head to the Family Gamers Twitter. Alright, well, Paya, this is very cute, very adorable, I look forward to talking about some of these games a lot more in 2024. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming, and uh, we'll be excited to meet again. All right, thanks. This is Nick with the Family Gamers on the day one of PAX with Kurt Covert from Smirk and Dagger Games. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks so much. So what are you most excited about at PAX here? Well, so personally, we are launching Tesseract here at the show. It was supposed to be in time for Gen Con, delays, that kind of thing, but we finally have it here and for sale, and I am so psyched about this game. It is a co-op, but it is one of the most collaborative co-ops I think I have ever seen. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, if you try to play it as like a you know four-player siloed solo game, 
you will lose. You have to constantly say, can you help me out with this thing? Or can I help you do the thing you need to do? So you're active on every single person's turn, talking through every person's turn, because you have information they need and missed. But it is 64 cubes on a rotating turntable. And you are trying to uh, contain the cubes of that tesseract into this containment matrix before it ends up depleting itself or seven breaches occur. And it is a great dice manipulation puzzle game. Okay. It is absolute stellar play. James Fernhaper is the designer. It's a first time design for him that he got published, but it was super, super tight. Like, I expanded. I didn't have to change anything. There are no broken pieces when I got it. So oh, it's wow. a beautiful, tight, tight design. So I'm super excited because we are just going to be showing it here and demoing and selling, I think, probably a, a lot of them. And is it available, available for sale everywhere yet? Uh, yes. Yes, it is. Uh, it, it, it finally got here in November, but this is the first time we've been to a show with it. Okay. Yeah. And what are some of the other titles you're excited about here at the show that you're publishing? Well, let's see. Um, we also have, we've got The Spill still here. Uh, Boop and uh, Spooky Boop spooky are here. Boop. Yes, yep. I saw that over there. That was quite the hit at Gen Con. Oh my it. it was God. going like crazy. Everybody had it. It was insane. We blew through everything, like basically day one, and had to order from Atlanta to Indianapolis a whole, like, more pallets wow. for the next day overnight. Wow. It was crazy. Uh, I've never seen a game move like Boop moves. So do you, do you think that having having it up in Board Game Arena has kind of helped with your sales and getting that getting you know, exposure to the I, game? I, do, I really do think that, yeah. Um, and it's it's on that. It's on Last Game Board, uh, Sovranti. So there are lots of ways to access the game, even if you're not finding a physical copy. But I think what really sells the game is the physical copy because it's so tactile when yeah. you actually feel the mattress and it's like, oh, it, it's actually a quilted blanket. Yeah, it's not like yeah, it's not cardboard. It's yeah. A blanket. yeah, and and the the wooden pieces are so chunky and cute. It begs to be touched. So yeah. Awesome. And then for our listeners that may not have heard of Smirk and Dagger, can you tell us a little bit about your company? Gotcha. Well, I started 20 years ago, and when I started, I did nothing but stab your buddy games because that's what I really loved, and I wanted to like plant a flag and stand for something. Well, I went full-time six years ago, and I had to broaden my shoulders, appeal to more people. So now Smirk and Dagger is, honestly, what I, the, my hallmark for the games I look for is I'm looking for games that create a real reaction at the table. Like, if it's just a crunchy numbers game, it's probably not going to be my game. Okay. I want you, like, a little bit more emotionally invested. I want the pieces to disappear to the experience that you're in the world of the game. Like, those are the things that I value in gaming. So um, those are the kind of experiences that I that I deliver. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time with us. Where can we find you online? You can find us at smirkandagger.com. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Well, that about wraps it up for this week. All right. I hope everybody enjoyed those interviews because I haven't heard them yet. Uh, yeah, me either. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm looking forward to recording them for you. <laughs> and I'm sure they're great. All right, Anisha, well, for all those people who didn't find us at PAX Unplugged, where can they find us on the internet? Well, the easiest place is go to our website, thefamilygamers.com. There are links there to all the podcasts, all the interviews, all the shows, all, all the everything. But if you'd like to follow us on social media, we are at FamilyGamersAA just about everywhere. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or X, Threads, Instagram, TikTok, 
and YouTube at Family Gamers AA. We also invite you to join the Family Gamers community. You can go to thefamilygamers.com forward slash community to get right into that community or just search for the Family Gamers community on Facebook. And finally, you can join the Family Tabletop community on Discord by going to thefamilygamers.com forward slash Discord. The Family Gamers are there. Little Big Thumbs is there. One Board Family is there. Board Gaming Mama is there. A whole bunch of people really focused on family gaming and all the good, great, wonderful stuff that we talk about with slightly different flavors, just in case you like strawberry. <laughs> Dr. Brian from Brains on Games is there. Mm, yeah, it's good stuff. It's great. Good stuff. All right, of course, you can always email us, andrew at thefamilygamers.com. Anitra at thefamilygamers.com. We'd be happy to talk to you on there. We love getting email from listeners. It's, I don't know, Anitra, I mean, you can speak to this. Every time we get an email, I come up to you, I'm like, oh, look, we got an email. It's so awesome. It feels good. It feels good to know that there's people out there who are not shouting into the void. <laughs> yes, very much. <laughs> One thing we are excited about, and uh, by the time you hear this, we will have been excited about, is seeing people at PAX Unplugged wearing Family Gamers merchandise. Yeah. Also have seen some people on the internet wearing Family Gamers merchandise, which is also fantastic. It rules. Also, Family Gamers merchandise makes amazing gifts, whether it's mugs or t-shirts or hoodies or whatever it might be. And you can find all of that at thefamilygamers.com forward slash merch. Last but not least... If you enjoy what you're hearing, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and please, please tell your friends. You could also leave a review with a rating at Apple Podcast or any of those places. That's great, too. But really, just tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> download early, download often, you know, all those things. <laughs> now, we really do appreciate it. It's really rewarding to see that people out there are learning about great games that they can play with their kids. That's what we're all about. And seeing it just rules. The Family Gamers Podcast is sponsored by First Move Financial. Go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers and learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points at PAX or elsewhere. Anywhere. Anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> anywhere in the United States of America. All right, Anisha, I'm sure that we are exhausted by the time people are listening to this. So we are going to breathe deep. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. So until then, everybody, play, play games, games with, with your, your kids. kids.